Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. Lisa, as always, one of our friends is here. <laughs> we have a lot of friends. Uh, this one is really special. A friend of both of ours, uh, Claudia Rinaldi. Thank you for being with us, Claudia. Oh, thanks for inviting me. Happy to be here. Yeah, so Claudia has a breadth of experience, but she is a endowed professor at LaSalle University in Massachusetts and has been a CC executive board member, a conference chair. And as you know, we're celebrating this 100-year anniversary of the Council for Exceptional Children. Kind of curious as you think back in your rich and wonderful career, what, what are you most proud of or excited that you've made an impact in the field to this point? Yeah, I think that the thing that I feel most uh, proud and of the impact I've had is really bringing the voice of and needs of children with um, learning disabilities that are also English learners um, who are bilingual. They bring, you know, a wealth of skills and tradition and culture and language and you know, not a lot of people really look at that side of it. So that's kind of what I'm most proud of is to just kind of put them in the table in the conversation and kind of get people to think about it. Yeah, you've really brought a gift for that for us. And and seeing the strength of that, like I think your voice has been the, that's the, um, the strength of somebody who's twice diverse uh, has been really a voice that we appreciate. So thank you for that contribution. Yeah, thank you. And one of the reasons that we like Claudia so much is that <laughs> She shares our belief that everything doesn't have to be parceled out and serve, you know, services um, in tiny little uh, pigeonholes. So um, as, you, as you think about strategy specifically, what would you tell new teachers or teachers who just are not used to working with language learners? What are some things that they need to know or some tips you might have? Yeah, I love that question because I think the tip or the strategy that we know comes from research and evidence in the, in the field is, you know, peer-mediated learning, which really talks about engaging your students, um, in this case, you know, the majority culture students with the minority students that are learning English and creating really an inclusive uh, place for them to be able to hear good models of the English, but also allow them to work in, um, in contexts where they could you know, each learn from the value of their own culture and language, right? So uh, creating opportunities for them to use translanguaging, but also to be able to learn the content from each other and be able to grow on both ends, both culturally learning about this new student who's learning English and their culture and language, but for the English learner to kind of know about, you know, what it's like to be in, in, in a classroom in America, you know, learning English and interacting and learning the content and curriculum. So I, I love that response because I think that's the struggle for teachers. But I also wonder where you might suggest for parents. I mean, I'm just imagining I'm a parent and my child speaks two languages. And I, I just have a suspicion that something's not right, but I don't know if it's a learning disability, if it's a language. What's your advice for parents and maybe maybe somewhere they might go if they're looking for some resources? Do you have some thoughts? Yeah, um, so I think one thing, even as a parent myself um, of a child with a disability, I think sometimes we kind of justify those red markers we might see. Um, so just acknowledging that if you do think that there is a problem, there might be, and that you need to follow up, follow up on those resources. Um, one organization that really kind of puts the information in a, in a biteable size for parents is understood.org. Um, I'm an expert reviewer there, too, so I could see I've, we've vetted a lot of content for parents um, who have children who are learning English or who are bilingual and struggling in school. 
So I think that that is really a place where you could go to get more information about learning and attention issues and, you know, kind of looking at what the law says, what your rights are, uh, what strategies you could do at home, and then link up and bring that up to the schools, you know, because oftentimes they know, well, not oftentimes, all the times parents know more <laughs> about their children, <laughs> but, um, but oftentimes the teachers don't know about this resource. So if they could print out materials or, you know, show their phone, and, you know, it gives them a tangible way to kind of say, look, I've read a little bit about this. I know that there's something there that my child has, and, you know, I need help. So, so I'm, I'm thinking I'm a new teacher and I have this privilege of talking to you and I have a student sitting in front of me. I see my roster and it says I have three students that are second language, English language learners, and they also have learning disabilities. What, what, what do you suggest I do first besides look at that list and be worried? <laughs> yeah, well, I think you have two new friends to make God. and that would be your teacher who's either the bilingual teacher or ESL teacher or the EL teacher, whatever name or whatever kind of role they have in the school but that works with that population of students and then the special ed teacher, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, make it a regular practice to meet with them and monitor progress of the student in both areas, in language development, proficiency, English language proficiency, and in meeting the IEP goals. And, you know, if you could get a structured time where you meet with them and collaborate and co-teach with them, right? Have them invite them to your classroom, give you feedback. You go to the classroom, learn what they do. I mean, I remember as a gen ed teacher, I didn't know what the speech and language therapist did. I had no idea what the ESL teacher did, you know. So so it's a matter of kind of learning from each other and then co-teaching in a way that would benefit both um, their students and the students that have, you know, disabilities and who are English learners. Yeah, yeah I, I love that. I love yeah. that too. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to back that up even one step further, and maybe this is with someone uh, who's particularly young or someone who just moved in from another country or another culture. If I'm a teacher and have a student who's just quiet, and we all know that students with learning disabilities in particular, um, as they age, they start to, they become, you know, a little more reserved. So if I have a- <laughs> Some, uh, not yeah, all. <laughs> I just mean, I just mean in their academic discussions sometimes. Say, so, so, so let's say I'm a teacher and I have a new student from, uh, who, who, is a, who is an English learner. How do, I, how do I know, what signs do I look for to determine whether that might also be a learning disability. How do I know the difference? What do I what do I look for? Do you have any anything that I could that I could investigate to help me understand? Is this a function of language or is this a function of a learning disability? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing to do is really get to know the kids. So whatever it takes to kind of get to know them as a person, you know, as this little being in your school in your classroom. Um, think about the best relationship you have with your majority culture student and then try to replicate that. Um, so not being afraid of learning about their language, learn a couple words of what they of what their language is uh, to kind of build that relationship and start talking to the parents in ways or find an interpreter who could help you kind of ask questions, you know, because what we see is if you have a difficulty in one language, you'll have it in the other language. So it's more likely that, you know, if... For example, you could show, you know, some books to them and see how they react with them. And the books would have to be obviously in their main language. So, um, you know, kind of look to see what kind of literacy skills are there. Kind of like when we have little babies and we're looking to see whether they recognize the front and the back of the book, you know, how they 
you know, open the pages? Are they pretending to read? Are they looking at the picture? You know, those kind of skills that we use for the, for for our students, but kind of do it in their language and kind of, you know, have those conversations then with the parent and the child about, you know, their favorite story, their favorite thing to do, because that gives us a lot of insight. It's kind of like observation-based assessment, mm-hmm. right? It's giving you insights into what are their strengths, how do they think, how do they respond to people, um, their level of, of engagement with the language. Um, so you could really learn, is it really an English proficiency problem, but they have a lot to say, or, you know, they just don't really seem to be understanding in either language. I love it. Um, so my last question for you is, we're fast-forwarding into the future. What, what is your vision? What do you hope for? What do you hope it looks like for the beautiful, rich diversity of a child who has a learning uniqueness and has the beauty richness of having more than one language? So I'm going to push back and say I want to do it for the child, but I also want to do it for the teachers. Okay, right? I love it, love um, it. For the child, I think... Um, you know, what I envision is teachers that could send them the message that they can make it, you know, that they will make it, that they will be supported along the way, um, and that they're invested in them. So if the children can have that feeling inside them, I think they'll know that they're going to be okay. Um, English will come, you know, and they'll be able to, you know, become contributing members of society, which is what we want, right? Um, for the parent, for the teachers, I think um, my vision is that um, we diversify the teacher pipeline because ninety-two percent of teachers are white in the state where I where I teach, and uh, around the country is about eighty percent. So it's not about feeling scared that we're diversifying the teaching field. It's barely even making a dent in having kids see teachers that look like them because that is what helps build relationship. You know, think about the last time you saw somebody that looked like you that was your age or that came from the same state or went to the same restaurant or whatever. There is a link already established with that. And I think our students who are bilingual and English learners don't really get to meet a lot of people in the process that that they can, you know, relate to in things and then build relationships. And that's what's keeping them back. So how do we change that? That's my vision is to change that. Thanks. Beautiful response. Thanks, Claudia. You're All welcome. right. Thanks well, for having me. Thanks for joining us. And if you have any questions, you can tweet them at Access Practical or you can post them on our Facebook page. Thanks again, Claudia.